When I was in college, I entered college with one purpose. I wanted to be the best trumpet player I could be. That really was my focus. That was my purpose. I had been able to go to college on a music scholarship, and I wanted to become the best trumpet player that I could possibly be. I wanted to reach my fullest potential. And that really formed then my priorities. And my priorities were me. They were me. My practice time. I would, I would spend time in a closed off practice room just going over drills and working and working and working, trying to hone my, my, my art, my craft. And, I, and then I put myself in as many different kinds of, of groups and performance opportunities that I could because I wanted to be a balanced trumpet player who could play in any, any field. Marching band, wind ensemble, orchestra, jazz. I wanted a part of it, all of it because I knew that it would make me reach, it would help me reach my end of being the best performing trumpet player I could be. And an interesting thing happened is, is when I was in those environments, I had relationships with people, but it was only to a certain degree, a certain extent. Because every group that I was a part of was really a means to an end. I would interact with the people around me, but in terms of going deeper into friendship or relationship with them, that wasn't part of my agenda. So yeah, we had some common experiences, but, but once rehearsal was done or once the performance was over, everyone kind of went their own way. And that was until Will Campbell came to our university. He was the director of jazz for our program, and he was fresh off the bus, the tour bus, with Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. This dude was, was a true musician. I had never heard someone play with such finesse, style, skill. That chart we played is called American Express, and he brought us into this world of music that none of us really knew existed. And he also brought with him a a different kind of vision for what we could be a part of as college students studying music. And he challenged us like no one else did. He put charts in front of us. He gave us playing opportunities with true professionals that were known all over the world that he had formed relationships with or networked with. And he brought them to Tahlequah, Oklahoma. (laughs) And something happened within me. Because it didn't matter if, if I knew my part and I, had, and I had worked and worked and worked on my chart and to go stand in a band and if, and if my chart was solid or if my, chart was, or if my part wasn't solid, another, it didn't matter. It sounded like in the trumpet section, it sounded like five different guys playing. Having five different kinds of sound. And he kept telling us about we needed one sound, one sound. And so a decision was made that we would practice together. And we did these sectional rehearsals that, man, it cost us time. But over time, these five different trumpet players began to sound like one. And if you've ever been in a music environment, you know what it's like when everyone is kind of in the zone. And then we stepped out on stage with some of the finest jazz musicians in the world. 
and we experience something together that we would never have experienced on our own and our relationships went somewhere further than I would have ever experienced with those guys had I kept my purpose me. I didn't share this with the other services, but, you know, I'm loosened up by now. One of the guys that was in that band, he actually, our paths crossed in Topeka years later. He goes, yeah, David, we kind of thought you were a beep. When you first arrived. I was like, what? He goes, yeah. There wasn't any real connection with us until it came later. Have you guys ever experienced that? Perhaps some of you have been in the military and you, someone told, told you that you needed discipline in your life. So off to basic training you went. You're in basic training and then all of a sudden you are caught up in either wartime or an adventure that you have to have. Perhaps you entered with discipline being your purpose for being there, but then there was, there was a mission to accomplish and it changed the relationships of those that were in it together with you. Some of you have experienced that in the workplace. Hey, man, I showed up to work for the state because of a, because of a job, but now we're caught up in the midst of this project that if we don't all pull our own weight and work together, and you find out on the other side of that that things are just different, perhaps even better. And I believe the Christian life is the same way, and we're going to look at a group of individuals that were special and unique. This group of people were the very first Christians and they were people that were huddled up in fear because their Savior has, was gone. And they had been on this emotional roller coaster of Jesus died. And they were like, oh no. And then he rose from the dead and they were like, oh yes. And then he ascended and went away and they were like, oh no. And they literally were in fear. They were, they were afraid for their lives and their thoughts were, what is going to happen to us? What are we supposed to do? Something happened to this group of people. It changed their purpose. It, it revolutionized the priority of their life. And they were actually even given a plan. And we will find the same thing. Because we should all engage into small groups together because of two realities. These two realities are based on truth. We're going to start with the first reality, which comes from God's Word. I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts is found in the New Testament. You go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you'll reach the book of Acts, chapter 2. It's called Acts because it talks about the actions of Jesus' disciples. Book of Acts, chapter 2. We must start with God's Word as our first reality. Because it's truth. This is God's standard. This is His voice to us. To tell us right from wrong. And to explain to us who He is and what He wants for our lives. So we're going to look at this. And then we'll compare a second reality to it. But here's the passage. Let me read this. And you can follow along. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together 
and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. From God's word, we'll see our first reality, that groups advance God's mission. Groups advance God's mission. In these, in these few verses, as we walk back through them, uh, keep your eyes and ears open for practices of the church that we've been talking about as a family over the course of this month. Let's look back at verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. We have to first ask a very important question, and that is, who they? Who they? Who that? Who are these they? The answer to the pronoun question is this is a group of 120 people who had followed Jesus, most of whom had come from the Galilee area, and they followed Jesus south along the Jordan River and came in at the time of His triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And then they had the events of His arrest and His trials and His death on the cross and His resurrection. These are the people that were huddled in fear. And they didn't know what they were supposed to do. But... In Acts chapter 2, something showed up. Something greater than Will Campbell, director of jazz. It was God himself. The Holy Spirit, for the first time in human history, was poured into the hearts and the lives of people who followed Christ. And they were changed. They were so changed that something miraculous happened where they were able to speak in a different language. Jerusalem was a metropolitan city within the Roman Empire. There were people from all kinds of uh, nations and, and countries and, and they spoke different languages and they were all kind of huddled in this one city. And this group of, of followers of Christ, once they had re- received the Holy Spirit, they were able to communicate in languages previously unknown to them. It was a sign given to them that God had ushered in a new reality. That the Holy Spirit was given to them. Previously in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would only be given to people who had a special role. Such as become the king of God's people. Or to speak as a prophet for God to God's people. Now, everybody got the Holy Spirit. And they found themselves transformed. We even have the first sermon delivered by Peter ever in the history of the church, in the previous verses leading up to this. This group of they, they devoted themselves. This word devoted looks past tense. It looks like it's something that maybe happened one time in in the past, but that's not what the, the meaning of this word is. This is a continual devotion. They were continually being devoted to certain things. It was something that began in the past, but it was a continued practice. And we pick it up later in the passage with the phrase, and day by day. 
They were so transformed that they had new desires. God gives us godly desires. It's part of His mission that we, that we get the privilege of engaging in. And they devoted themselves to specific things. Now, the word themselves is, is important. This means that this welled up from within them. And they didn't need someone in a pulpit going, You shall be in small groups. All of you. Now, all of a sudden, because of the Spirit of God in their lives, there was this desire to share life, this experience that they had, this new reality with God, with other people. Look what they devoted themselves to. The apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. There was something that burned within them to understand God to a deeper extent. They needed to be taught. They wanted to build relationships with each other, so they fellowshiped together. They wanted to eat food. They're just like us. Part of the breaking of bread was the celebrating of communion to remember the risen Christ. They wanted to share that together and then to pray. Do you think it was a popular thing in AD 33 to be someone who followed Jesus? They needed each other. There was a ton at stake. So they moved their lives together. Look at verses 43 through 46. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And here it is. And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. As we gather in groups to accomplish God's mission, God grows us deeper in worship, in His Word, in giving, and in relationships. Folks, that's why we're talking about these things in the month of May. It's not because this is some kind of strategy we cooked up at Fellowship Bible Church. The church is called to be a certain group. People that are passionately worshiping God. People who are passionately giving of themselves so that needs are met. People who are serving other people. And to do that side by side. We're talking about these things in the month of May because this is who we are called to be as God's people. You look at verse 46, and day by day attending the temple. I want to, I'd like for you just to put a star or a circle on temple. Or you can write in your margin, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Because there's something we need to know about the temple and what has changed since the Holy Spirit has come. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3.16. It says this, Do you not know that you... Are God's temple. And the God's spirit dwells in you. The temple. The church. Is not an address. On a street corner. Fellowship Bible Church. Is not this structure we find ourselves in. At 10th and Urish. 
Fellowship Bible Church is the people in the room. The men, the women, the students, the children, the infants in the nursery. We are Fellowship Bible Church. I think KU fans, don't you guys cheer that? We are KU. It's a little misguided. But you get the point. The temple is made up of us. That's what the Holy Spirit did to change us. Look at Ephesians 2.22. In Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. See, God is moving us together. There is a desire that is hardwired in a Christian to desire relationships with other believers. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself the question, Man, I wish someone helped me understand the Bible. You ever had that? Have you ever been faced with a decision where you go, Okay, I've got an offer that's something that could be good or something else could be good. Which is better? Which is best? I need someone to talk with just to get some insight. Have you guys ever needed that? Part of that stems from the desires that God is building within us. It comes straight from God's Word, Philippians 2.13, For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to act according to His good purpose. God is building these desires in us that we would share the Christian experience because He has a mission to unfold. Look at verse 47. We're praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Look, God has an end in mind. It is His kingdom. He is ushering a time in where in a new heaven and a new earth where every tribe, tongue, and nation will give Him praise and give Him the honor that He is due. And that is the goal. It is the purpose of God to advance His mission to draw all who would follow Christ to Himself to receive glory, honor, and praise. And He uses us, His church, to gather in groups, to demonstrate His love, to give Him worship, and to serve others so that Jesus is made known. And man, He brings people to Himself. And it says, day by day, the Lord... Saved people. That's what we get to be a part of. No longer is it us trying to have live out a purpose of just surviving the routine. We're just doing the best we can to endure and take care of me, mine, and ours. God ushers us into this incredible mission. And it demands a move away from an independent life to joining the trumpet section. Sacrificing. Walking. Sharing. Striving with one another to advance God's kingdom. This is our first reality. Groups advance God's mission. 
We have as a church approximately 3,000 adults who call this church their home church. And I have Pac-Man on the screen behind me. Two-thirds of us have yet to engage a small group. We have 961 people on our rosters in a current active small group. Now, I'm just talking about adults. We have small groups for children and small groups for students. And, but to, right now, I'm talking, this is our reality with adults. And I've been working with groups for quite some time now. And I've also been working with people. And I want to just speak very openly about this second reality that we come to now. Because there's reasons why we hesitate to join in with a group of other people. And at Fellowship, we will never use tactics to place shame or guilt or coercion on you. We won't do it with giving, we won't do it with worship, and we won't do it with groups either. But I want to speak very openly because this is what I've come across with people who just hesitate. They just, even if they understand the truth that, yep, life could be better shared together with other believers. And so I want to talk about this reality through a series of questions that I believe are very real. The first one is, is what if I don't fit the mold? What if I don't fit the mold? What if, what if I have a view of myself that, that I, if I showed up in a group I would be the outcast. I'd be the odd duck. I'd be the person that that requires extra, extra grace. What if I'm too broken? And the thought of having to sit across a room with other people that I'm... I don't want to do that. What if I'm not a crier? Isn't that all they do in small groups anyway? They hold hands and everyone just cries all the time. My father. He did this to me. All the guys in the room are going, No! (laughs) Ain't no way I'm joining a group like that. What if I don't fit the mold? What if my marriage just broke and I don't know what to think about who I am? How can I step into a group when I don't even know who I am? What if I don't fit the mold? That is a common fear. Here's another one. What if... What if I don't talk about faith? What if that's not easy for me? What if the thought of having to come in and having a conversation about Jesus freaks me out? Because you know what? In our daily rhythm of life... How many environments do you go into and someone says, Hey, would you please share with us how you're growing with Jesus? Um, What if you're someone who's just not that familiar with the Bible? And in a setting like this, you feel pretty comfortable. And when someone says, turn to the book of Acts, you start at the table of contents because you simply don't know where to find it. And to put yourself in a living room where you feel like everyone else knows more than you do, why would you ever go? 
What if they ask you to say something out loud? No one woke up this morning and goes, man, I hope I find myself in a place where I look stupid. So we think, man, what if I don't fit the mold? What if I don't talk about my faith? What about this one? What if I don't need one more thing? I ask this, did any of you wake up and go, man, I got nothing but time. Oh, I'm going to take a nap and then a follow-up one. No way! Our plates are so full. We are stacked up. We got stuff for kids. We got stuff for work. We got stuff for this. We got stuff for that. We got stuff for this. And all of a sudden we are just like. <laughs> and someone says, hey, you need a small group. And you go, yeah, right. I don't need one more thing. All of us are packed to the gills with stuff. I don't need one more thing. What about this one? What if I tried it and it didn't work for me? In that two-thirds of people who are not currently in a small group, there's a large number of folks who have given it a shot before. And you know what? When they stepped into that, it didn't work for them because someone broke confidence in the group. Someone gossiped. Someone had an affair. Someone decided to leave their group or their group split. And they had these expectations of what it should be. And their experience ended up being here. And the difference was the level of hurt that they felt. And they made an agreement. I will never put myself in a position like that again. These are the things that prevent us from engaging in a small group. These things are called fears. Fears prevent us from engaging in groups. That is our second reality. Fears prevent us from engaging in groups. So we, we live in this tension if we know Jesus. Because God has placed a desire for for relationship with other Christians that can help us and we can help them. But then within us, there are these fears that prevent us from making that engagement. And it is the Holy Spirit who changed that first group of Christians who enters into every one of those fears. What if you don't fit the mold? The Holy Spirit will tell you there is no mold. Brokenness is normal. Every single one of us come from our own unique backgrounds. We carry our own baggage. We come from whatever state, whatever town, whatever location, whatever background. But here's the common thing. That in Christ, the scriptures call us, they describe us as as if we are being clothed. In Christ. And when I show up to a small group, even though there's someone who's very different than I am, 
we have Jesus, don't we? That's who we have. That's our common ground. The one who saved us. There is no mold. There's no cookie cutter Christian that you have to fit this shape. It's okay to be who you are. Because it is Christ who has transformed our identity. And He is our common ground when we come together. There is no mold. What if you don't talk about faith? That's okay. We train our leaders to only invite or to ask permission for someone in their group to say anything out loud. Especially when it comes to reading the Bible and praying out loud. We ask for your permission. Some of you have had a speech impediment or have suffered with dyslexia all your life. And we will not have you feel like you once did in third grade. We get it. That's why we use a journal. It's a tool for our entire church to share together where we can read at the same pace in the same place and gather in a group that's safe and go, well, this is what I think God was saying to me. And then we find out someone else picked the same verse. And God was saying a similar thing to them too. And you go, huh. It's why we train our leaders in the Word so that when they show up, they can help you understand in a safe place your faith. What if you don't need one more thing? We're too busy not to be in a small group. Life is happening to us at such a rate and in such a pace that we are going through life. And if our goal, if our purpose is simply just to march through what God has, what we think God has laid out in front of us, and I just got to make it to the end. Help me make it through school. Help me get to me. The pool's going to open. And I'm going to make it. But in in that course of life, man, with such a full plate, The rug gets pulled out from us all the time in life. Crisis strikes, tragedy happens, and we look around and we go, oh my goodness, is there anyone who can help me? Or we may face something, some kind of incredible joy or have some experience with God that is like so real and awesome that you're like, Jesus loves me. And then there's no one to share that with. It's like me in a practice room nailing a lick. And there's no one there to go, man, that was awesome. We're too busy. Too much is happening to not engage in a small group. And what if you've tried it? But it didn't work. The Spirit needs you too. You can start fresh. You can start new. There is no perfect small group. Because I'm there. And so are you. 
The Spirit meets us in our fears. And when we engage, over time, those fall away. And if something happens because of imperfect people, there is grace and you can always refresh the page. So let me ask this question. What if everyone engaged in a small group? What if we did this? What if we trusted God with this? I believe this would happen. If everyone engages, we can advance God's mission through our groups. His mission of being worshipped, to show love and concern and to give to the needs of others and to take the name of Christ beyond us, He will accomplish that through us. We gather in groups and we share this Christian life together. This is what can happen. Rick Howerton is a specialist with small groups. He's, he's, he's written books and he's done a lot of speaking on the subject. And he said that when a small group forms for the first time, there is a minimum number of 10 gospel conversations that happen. Why? Why is that true? Because we talk about the things that are significant to us. I had shared that in the last service and a young lady walked out and she goes, when you said that, she goes, I was going, really? She goes, but you know what? My parents are here with me and I've already told them all about our small group and how God's using that in my life. She goes, I, bet I can't stop talking about it at work. It gave her a new platform to share Christ because her life was different. It was made better. She moved from independence to a shared experience of traveling with Christ with others. And she just talked about it. I want to see more groups form because I want people to hear about Jesus. And if that's true, that 10 gospel conversations happened, then y'all, let's get in some small groups. I can't believe I just pounded the pulpit. <laughs> Listen, we can do this. And if we trust God with this, it will transform our purpose. And our purpose becomes His. That we advance God's mission together. That becomes our purpose. If we engage, our purpose is that we advance God's mission together. And if that is our purpose, it changes our priority. We go from the purpose of I advance God's mission with you to a decision I had to make a decision to move away from, from my own goal of being the best player I could be to engaging an entire section of trumpeters so that we would be a part of something much greater than we could do on our own. You are at a moment of decision. And here is the challenge of your priority. I will engage a small group or I will lead a small group to engage, re-engage, or lead. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit just kind of get in there. We've got to have a plan. And here at Fellowship, we have a plan. It's a series of next steps. And I want to walk you through them. Because, folks, we can do this. You can do this. Here's the plan. If you are someone that says, okay, I want to engage a small group for the first time. For the first time, I want to engage in a group. 
what do you do? You do this. Register for starting point and connecting point that starts on June 1st. You can do this out in the lobby at the Welcome Center. You can go online to our events page and register. I could have added another fear to that list. An honest one, and that is, what if Fellowship Bible Church drops the ball? This has been a rapidly growing church. We have felt like we've been hanging on to the baggage of an out-of-control stagecoach that Jesus is holding the reins. And we've had to try to keep pace with the growth, and we've had to change our systems because you know what? We were largely responsible for people not engaging. And if you came through Connecting Point in previous time, I owe you an apology. That's why in the month of November, we changed our entire system. We shortened the lengths of our series. We offered it more times a year. We have nine inroads through Connecting Point. As a result of that change, over 80% is our connection rate into both small groups and a ministry team. We now have, and, that, and the difference between 80 and 100% is not because we lost track of people. It's just because at that season and time, it wasn't the right time for those people to say yes. And now we know why. That's why your best next step, if you've never engaged a group, is to go. Because there is a place for you. And we can help you find it. It starts June 1st. If you have been here for a while, you've tried small groups, and you say, okay, Hinkle, I will re-engage. I'm going to refresh the page, and I want to re-engage in a group. What do you do? Go to the involvement center. There are people in yellow shirts that say small groups who are our staff team, and they can help answer your questions. We actually have small group leaders. We have specifically one woman named Susie who's a single woman. And she is longing to share Jesus with other women who are trying to endure this life. Some of those women are having to be both mom and dad. And they need help and encouragement. She's out there. And she will talk with you. There are others out there as well. Go out to the Involvement Center. You can go online. If you want to lead a group, you have the same step. Go out to the Involvement Center. Talk with our team. And we will help you take steps to become a small group leader. You want some gospel conversations to spring from your life? You want to advance God's mission together with others as a new, fresh purpose? Engage a small group. We're committed to that at every age level. Children, students, and adults. I want to be a part of this coming reality where God draws all people to Himself and He uses His church broken up in different groups to do it. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank You that You have given us new life. We enter a relationship with You. We begin a relationship, Lord, when we believe that You gave Your life for us, that You died for us and You rose from the dead. Lord Jesus, that that has changed us. And then you have given us your Holy Spirit to transform the things that we want. Help us to trust you when fears come up that prevent us from engaging your best, whether it's small groups or giving or worshiping daily. 
God, there's things that can prevent us that come up from within, but your spirit is there to lead us through. We want to turn our hearts now, Lord Jesus, to worship you, to give you praise, because you alone are worthy. And so we worship you now. We celebrate your good work for us. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.